morning. It's a Monday. It is Gale and Company Live. Great to have you along with us. And uh, we have a uh, very informative show straight ahead on uh, this edition of the program. Back joining us on this day before the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is the executive editor of SoxProspects.com, and that is Chris Hatfield. Chris, how are you today? Today. Yeah, Ken, it's about as good as it can be on a Monday, but, uh, you know, we're up and at them and ready to talk some baseball. Uh, love talking baseball. Don't love so much talking about what happened over the weekend to the Red Sox, being outscored uh, 27-3 to in the final two games of their series with the Yankees and losing Chris Sale for mm-hmm. another extended period of time with that fractured pinky. Could it have been any worse the last two days for the Sox? Uh, well, I mean, I guess we still have baseball, which is something I've, you know, we learned not to take for granted in 2020, I guess. I don't know. I, I Look, I mean, the thing with Sale, you, you just got to feel for the guy. I mean, the luck he's got at this point to be in the first inning of his second game back from a fractured rib and to have that happen. I mean, I, I, it was like, what, 106 off the bat or something? There's nothing he could really do to get out of the way. No. Just brutal luck. Brutal luck. And, you know, the Red Sox. Their pitching depth has been getting tested all season, and it's continuing to get tested right now. And we're going to see what they've got. You know, they got Nate Eovaldi back just before the break, which is a good thing. Uh, they got Garrett Whitlock back in the bullpen, which is a good thing. We'll see what they're going to get out of Rich Hill and Michael Walker coming down the stretch. But you know, they've they've had some young guys step up. Josh Winkowski has pitched very well. Um, you know, we saw the debut of Brian Bayo, who. I don't think it's quite ready for prime time, but I don't think that that's necessarily a knock against him yet. And don't forget, they've got potentially James Paxton coming down the line too, right. uh, another guy who could maybe help. So there, there are you know, it's not the end of the world. It's not how you want to have to, to end for sure. I mean, you don't want you don't want to be on the wrong end of football scores coming to, you know coming into the All Star break. It's never a good thing, but. We'll see what they can what they can do to bounce back. I think the break probably hit at the right time. If they can regroup, see what they can do, um, see what they're going to try and go after in free agency. You know, they, uh, well, not free agency, sorry, at the trade deadline. Right, yeah. You know, they could certainly, they've certainly got some holes they could fill, and I think we're going to try and see, we're going to see how, how high Bloom determined they're going to fill them. Uh, they've got some holes in the lineup, holes in the bullpen. Uh, there, there's certain places, certainly places where they could stand to improve, and we'll see how they choose to address that. Uh, whether by trade or internally down the stretch. Well, no doubt about that, and the trading deadline is August 2nd this year, and as you say, they do have any number of holes in the lineup, but you know, still uh, you know, in in the running for one of the three wild cards now uh, in, in the American League, three wild cards in, in both leagues uh, this year uh, for the first time, so uh, you know, still uh, you know, chasing that, that wild card, but uh, at any rate, they do have, uh, I would have to say that the biggest hole they have really is at first base, uh, mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, they haven't gotten any uh, much production from Bobby Dahlbeck or uh, Franchi Cordero, as much as you would expect at that position anyway, and, and the fielding hasn't been that great either. Yeah, that's true, and you know, it's kind of funny, for all of the injuries they've had in the rotation and, uh, and in the bullpen, I would argue that you could you could make a case that the most impactful injury this team has had this season has been the ankle injury to Tristan Casas. Uh, Casas began the year in Triple A Worcester. If you look at his 
you know, basic, basic statistics. They don't jump off the page at you. But, uh, you know, for folks who've kind of watched Alex Verdugo finally get some hits to fall in, uh, Casas was hitting the ball as hard as anyone in the minor league full stop before he got hurt. Uh, he is currently on a rehab assignment in the uh, Florida Complex League, which is basically rookie ball. Uh, for those who are, are initiated, uh, you know, down at Fort Myers, hitting very well, which you would expect a guy in AAA to be doing against, you know, a bunch of 18-year-olds just coming up from the Dominican Summer League or, you know, guys who, who were drafted last year out of high school and things like that. So he's doing what you would like to see out of him right now, but I think, you know, you, you look at the way they built this roster and you've got to wonder if the door was open for Casas to come in and take a major league roster spot if Bobby Dahlbeck did not, you know, run away with it. If Frank, I mean, Frankie Cordero was hitting the ball really well in AAA. And they gave him the opportunity, but I think he's kind of shown at this point what he is. Uh, I'm not sure that's an everyday player. He's an intriguing player. I wouldn't give up on him as a major leaguer yet or anything. But, you know, Casas is kind of a wild card here. The question is, if you sit here on, you know, August, or sorry, July, what is it, the, the 18th? 18th, yeah. <laughs> You've got a couple weeks left. I don't know. Can, can you wait for Tristan Costas? I don't know that you can. So, you know, some names that keep getting thrown around, Josh Bell with the Nationals, who, uh, you know, I lived out here in D.C. and was at a Nats game the other day and saw him had put a ball up into the second deck in right field. And as I sat there thinking, wow, that would have been nice if he did that in a Red Sox uniform. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, did they get back into the Nationals well again? You know, did they go with someone maybe not quite of his caliber? Uh, it depends what they want to give up for a rental at first base when, like I said, the possibility is that a pretty good option is there internally, but they're steadfast in not wanting to rely on a rookie to come up and save the season. That's a, a consistent theme we've heard from them throughout, uh, you know, Hein Bloom's tenure. And frankly, that's just a good, <laughs> that's just a good mantra for any major league team, right? You don't want to rely on a guy, no matter how good of a prospect he is, nope. to come up and suddenly hit like that. So, uh, will they trade for someone there? I think it's a strong possibility, but I think Costas being present is a lot there too to say how confident they are that he could come up ahead. So you, you do believe the Red Sox will at least attempt to be active at the trading deadline? I can't see how you can't. You know, you are currently, if the season ends today, they're in the playoffs. Uh, and if I, at least before yesterday's game, they were, they were in the second wild card spot. I, I admittedly didn't look after, uh, after yesterday, because we were pretty focused on the draft last night. But, yeah. um, you know, they, they make the playoffs if the season ends today. And there's something to be said for that, right? You know, once you get into the tournament, anything can happen. You know, your pitching staff gets hot. Uh, who knows how long sales is going to be out? I don't think it's a given. That, I mean, it, look, it, there's a chance sales done for the year. Right, and that's a huge blow when you lose your, your ace, the guy that was on the mound in the ninth inning when you won your last World Series. That's huge. But that said, you know, when the Atlanta Braves lost Ronald Acuna last year, one of the top young players in baseball, they didn't pack it in and sell the farm, or, you know, not sell the farm, but sell the team to to stock the farm system. They went for it and they won a World Series. So I don't think losing Chris Sale necessarily changes your outlook. Might change your priorities. Might change maybe how much you push your chips in. But uh, I, I don't see how you could possibly stand pat with all the holes they have at first base and you know, they could stand to get at least one or two more arms in the bullpen, although getting Garrett Whitlock back sure, sure looked nice on Friday night to see him coming out and doing his thing again. But I think they could stand to get a couple more arms back there, too. They've got some places where they can, can get better, and I don't think it's necessarily going to cost 
you know, the entire farm system to do it. Right. And of course, uh, you know, they have a lot of contract situations uh, coming up uh, as well. Uh, I mean, the the contract of uh, J.D. Martinez is up at the end of this year. Uh, Xander Bogarts. Uh, It's going to be a very uh, interesting time for for the Red Sox to see what direction they're uh, going to go in. Uh, Do do you see and and we'll we'll talk about the prospects coming up. But do you see uh, Bogarts and and J.D. uh, and or J.D. being around? next year it's so hard to say i mean they've got so many guys for free you can have dk hernandez for that too uh, i believe nathan evaldi is also free yep, there right. are so many guys who are up and, and there's been a lot of speculation that even if they are buying at the trade deadline could they also sell it's, it's a weird situation you don't see it often but you know i mean almost think of it like the uh the 04 red sox Dealing away Nomar Garcia Parra while pursuing a World Series, right? You do not see that often, but it's a possibility here. When you've got these guys who might walk, I honestly don't know. Look, I love Xander Bogart. He's one of my favorite players on the team. I mean, him and Devers are, are me as a fan, my two personal favorite players on the team. What's it going to take to sign Bogart? You know, when you look at the Francisco Lindor deal, when you look at the Fernando Tatis deal, do you want to give that to, to Bogart? I just don't know if, if this is a team that didn't want to give Mookie Betts that contract. Are they going to want to give that to Bogart? I, I don't see how you can. And meanwhile, you're going to have to pay Raphael Devers soon here, too. Uh, he's not a free agent this year, but he's a guy that you want to try and lock up. Oh, yeah. And he's, yeah. he's younger, and he might be the guy that I would, that I would prioritize between the two of them, believe no, it or not. No so, doubt. No doubt. So you've got Trevor Story here. I, I I think there's a very strong possibility that neither of those guys are around next year. Kike Hernandez, heck, even Christian Vasquez is a free agent, although the catching situation is extremely fluid. Uh, this could be a completely different team come April of next year. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, our guest on uh, this edition of uh, Kale & Company is uh, Chris Hatfield, and we're just getting started. Chris is the executive editor of Sox Prospects, SoxProspects.com, and you can uh, uh, follow along with us. Uh, we have to take a quick break right here. We're on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 on the FM dial, 101.9 FM in the Manchester area and beyond, and streaming worldwide 24 hours a day at nhtalkradio.com. We'll be back with our guest, Chris Hatfield, right after these words. It's Kale and Company Live on WKXL. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company. Great to have you along with us on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and streaming around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. Our guest is the executive editor of Sox Prospects, SoxProspects.com, Chris Hatfield, and... uh, Lots of interesting content on SoxProspects.com. And, uh, Chris, I know you also do a podcast a couple of times a week as well. Yeah, well, we, we try to do it about weekly. You know, sometimes it's, it's a little tough, uh, you know, to get one out every single week. But, uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we just actually had uh, Brian Abraham, the Red Sox Director of Player Development, on our show this past week. So for folks who are interested in learning more about how player development works, I think that's a 
pretty great entry point, actually. We had a really great conversation with Brian. He was on for more than an hour, uh, very generous with his time. So that's a great one. And then we're actually going to be putting out this morning our our sort of kind of knee-jerk reaction to the Red Sox first three draft picks last night or the first couple of rounds of the MLB draft. So that'll be going up. They took a, a trio of high school bats. So, uh, you know, really interesting draft strategy there. Uh, Ian and I, uh, Ian Kundal, our director of scouting, and I hop on there and give our thoughts. But, yeah, you know, we were, you know, I'd say, you know, three, four times a month we're out there. Uh, you can get it on Apple Podcasts or whatever whatever podcatcher you use on your phone or on your computer. And, uh, yeah, you know, we try and make it one of the best, uh, you know, sort of weekly talk uh, podcasts about the system and about uh, Major League Club, too. You know, it's not just necessarily 18-year-olds down in Fort Myers. We're talking about everything from, from Fort Myers all the way back up to Fenway. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, folks might want to check that out. Good stuff. And uh, were you surprised that the Red Sox went with another shortstop as their top pick Sunday night? Well, you know, it's funny. They, they went with two California high school shortstops. And under Bloom's tenure, you know, they drafted Nick York, who at the time was a, was a shortstop in high school in California. Last year, they drafted Marcella Meyer, a high school shortstop out of California. California's a baseball hotbed. So that part of it's not terribly surprising. You know, their, their third pick with their compensation picks for losing Eduardo Rodriguez. They picked the high school first baseman, or sorry, shortstop outfielder geez, out of Florida, uh, another baseball hotbed. It's interesting to see how they are approaching the draft. It really is starting to look like they are prioritizing toolsy or at least value-adding bats early and then thinking maybe that they can get pitching later in the draft. You know, if you can get a good pitcher in the fourth or fifth that you really like, then maybe you don't need to to spend that first, second, third-round pick on on a pitcher who might wind up needing Tommy John. You know, we were talking um, internally about Jay Groom recently, who was the Red Sox first-round pick in 2016. Yeah. Just got promoted to AAA, but, you know, the stuff after Tommy John is completely different than the stuff was, uh, you know, before uh, before the Tommy John surgery, after he got drafted. He was like a, you know, fastball, curveball pitcher. Both could have been plus pitches. Eventually more than that was a curveball, and now he's kind of a sum-of-all-parts guy with four average pitches. So just a very, very different, uh, very, very different guy. And, and so there's just a lot of risk in pitchers, and I think, you know, I wonder if we're seeing them recognize that. So it's, it's very interesting to see that they went ahead and with, with the strategy. Uh, you know, a lot of, of uh, jokes on. Well, we seem to have uh, lost Chris Hatfield momentarily, and uh, we will call him back, but uh, we seem to have lost his connection. So uh, we will keep it right here for a moment until we get Chris uh, back on the line to talk a little bit about uh, the Red Sox organization, what they have coming up through the ranks on the great website, SoxProspects.com. Yesterday, of course, the Ambetter 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. A terrific race. And the day turned out to be nice. Uh, had uh, some shower activity just prior to race time, but delayed the race about a half hour. Supposed to start at 318. It started uh, about 345, something like that. And Christopher Bell prevailed uh, in that one yesterday at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Do you have Chris back on the line? 
Yes, yeah, sorry oh, about that, Ken. Oh, no idea what happened, man. Uh, okay, well, these things do happen in our <laughs> in uh, you know the great technology we have these days. But sometimes these things uh, uh, do yeah. happen. But uh, good, sure, good to have you back. So we were talking yeah. about Mikey Romero, their top pick last night, and last sure. year they they took uh, Marcelo Meyer. Last year they took Marcelo Meyer, who's the top prospect uh, on your charts uh, as the number one pick. Two shortstops, which is interesting. We were talking about uh, Buddy Groom. Uh, as as well, uh, Jay Groom, I should say, Jay Groom. There was there was a Buddy Groom at one time, wasn't there? Uh, but uh, Jay Groom, left-handed pitcher, who seems he seems to have been in the Red Sox organization forever. Uh, he was yeah. their top pick in 2016. Made his Triple A debut uh, last Friday night uh, for the uh, Worcester Red Sox. And uh, how did he look in that uh, first Triple A appearance? You know, well, Groom, he, he looked all right. Uh, you know, he's kind of got this thing going this year where he, he gives up base runners but doesn't give up uh, doesn't give up runs. Think of the the Patriots then that don't break defenses where, you know, the other team would get into the red zone and then just not score type deal. Uh, that's kind of what he's been doing, sort of tap dancing through the raindrops, so to speak, uh, letting guys get on base. You know, he, he's certainly still got a chance in a major league career, and he's on the 40-man roster, so I think – the time was right to get him up to AAA and see what you've got in him right now. But uh, but that said, you know, it's just the stuff is not what it once was, you know, where he once had a potential for a couple of plus pitches. Now he's sort of a sum of all parts, four average pitches, you know, tries to work batters with all three of them, uh, you know, and work his way through a lineup type guy. Might be an up and down guy. I think best case scenario, maybe a long relief out of the bullpen type guy like the Red Sox were using uh, – you know, maybe I don't want to say Whitlock, because then people think I'm saying he's going to be Garrett Whitlock. That's not what I'm saying at all. All right. Uh, but that kind of bulk reliever potentially held. Maybe how they're using Cutter Crawford right now uh, in a best case scenario. So we'll see how he how he turns out. But you know, it, it's funny you mentioned Mikey Romero with Marcelo Meyer. Apparently, the two of them are are very good friends and talk daily. Uh, they were they were travel team uh, uh, teammates for a couple of years out in California. They're they're from pretty close by each other and know each other very well immediately after the pick i guess they were they were texting and 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 talking about the fact that romero was joining the system so very funny how the red sox basically drafted really good friends with consecutive first round picks in the mlb draft but i guess that's just how it goes sometimes but it was kind of a funny coincidence that they have two guys like that who know each other so well yeah that that is and uh maybe in in the years to come uh you know around 2025 2026 they might be the the keystone combination for the red sox you never know maybe one of them uh, could move to second base Sure, and it looks like Romero might be a guy that has to move over to second. Uh, you know, not a guy that I don't think, I don't think they're necessarily going to do that immediately upon him signing like they did with the Nick York. So, to, for example, uh, you know, he's a guy who I think they're going to try it short for a while, but the, the scouting report on Romero is that he may have to move to second down the line. So, who knows? Certainly, certainly could happen. Yeah, absolutely so. But I, as, as you said in, in the first segment today, they, their top priority right now has to be to re-sign Rafi Devers for whatever it takes. They can't afford, uh, I mean, in terms of their fan base, to lose uh, another player of his caliber as they did with Mookie Betts. I, I know it would be uh, you know, a shame, really, if, if Xander Bogarts were to leave the organization, but I think it would be worse if they lost Rafi Devers. Yeah, I, you know what it is, Ken? I think, I think they need to re-sign someone. <laughs> you know, is, is it Devers? Is it Bogart? They need some, someone to stay and be the face of the franchise. And I'm with you that I think Devers should be the guy. 
that they do that with. I mean, he's such a special bat. I mean, people like to to, to kind of comment on the defense and how he's not for a good look. Is he going to win a gold glove at third? No, I think he's perfectly fine there and, and should be for an extended period. I don't think he's a guy you're going to have to move to first base in you know, year two of the deal. But look, I mean, on the one hand, you could say, well, these contracts, you know, these long-term contracts very, very rarely work out at the end as something that's worthwhile for the team, right? I mean, like, you know, I mentioned this game I was at the other, the other night down here. Robinson Cano was playing for the Atlanta Braves, and I was sitting next to someone who was just said, I had no idea that Robinson Cano was still playing, nor that he was on the Braves. <laughs> uh, you know, it was just, this is not someone who didn't know what he was talking about. You know, he was a Yankees fan who was familiar with him. But, you know, these deals don't always work. But that said, it's an entertainment product. And, you know, and at some point, you need to put a product out on the field that fans identify with, are familiar with, and enjoy. And, you know, there's some familiarity there. And I think at some point, you've got to re-sign someone. Yeah. Um, you know, I get not wanting to give out eight of those deals. I get it. You know, I mean, you could, you could point to the, you know, the Los Angeles Angels hosting the All-Star game this year. Or I guess technically it's the uh, Dodgers hosting. Or I forget which one of them is hosting. It's in L.A. But anyway, you look at what they've got. They've got two of the best players in the world right now. They Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and they have results to show for it. You right. know, and you don't—that's kind of the the warning of you don't want to become the Angels with the best player in the world and nothing to show for it. And, and I think that that's something that's paramount on their minds. But at some point, give me a face of the franchise. Give me the guy that I know is going to be around here that I can buy his jersey and that I can wear it to the game and know he's going to be in the lineup. Exactly, exactly. And he's a must-see at bat too. And they they don't have many in that lineup right now, uh, for sure. Chris Hatfield is our guest. Chris, uh, hang with us for a, a, a few more minutes, and uh, we still have a lot to discuss. Uh, Chris Hatfield, executive uh, editor of SoxProspects.com, a great, great website if you're a Red Sox fan. Lots of information there, and uh, Chris will have more information for us right here on Kale & Company Live on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, streaming 24 hours a day at nhtalkradio.com, and we will return, I promise, don't go anywhere. It's a Monday. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL and all its platforms, including nhtalkradio.com, which you can stream around the clock. Also, uh, log on to nhtalkradio.com to hear some of the past programs on uh, this station, including this show and uh, WKXL in the morning with A.J. Kirstead and Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson. Great lineup here on WKXL, and and uh, in our lineup today is Chris Hatfield, the executive editor of Sox Prospects, SoxProspects.com. We uh, mentioned uh, Marcelo Meyer, who was the Red Sox number one pick last year, fourth overall pick in the 2021 MLB draft, uh, currently with the Salem Red Sox, and uh, how is his development progressing? Well, when he's been on the field, he's been pretty terrific, Ken. But, you know, the Red Sox entered the year with a kind of a big three prospects. And, and Marcelo Meyer, the shortstop, who, as you mentioned, is in low-A Salem. Tristan Koss is the first baseman who was in AAA Worcester. And Nick York, the second baseman, who was their 2020 first-round pick, uh, who, who's been in a high-A Greenville. All three have dealt with pretty significant injury issues. Uh, I mentioned Tristan Koss with his high ankle sprain. Uh, Meyer missed about a month with a wrist issue 
so that has kind of hindered him. That said, he's been on the field. He's been outstanding. He's hitting 291, 387, 515. He's been really good, showing, you know, potentially uh, above average, if not better, defensive shortstop. Really looks like the real deal, and that's why we actually entered the year with Casas as our top prospect. And then our last up breakings up the made the switch to Meyer at the top, not through any fault of Casas' own. Just, you know, he's been as advertised, and when we looked at it, it's just he was very clearly the top guy in the system. We were unanimous about it for the first time all year, who the system's top prospect was. Uh, so he's been he's been as advertised. It's, it's not out of the question that he gets a promotion to high A Greenville sometime, uh, you know, in the offing. We'll put it this way. It wouldn't surprise me if they did it coming out of the All-Star break. I'm not necessarily predicting they will, but it's very possible. Uh, so we'll see what he how quickly he rises up the ladder. But he's been everything they've wanted to see out of him, just the only problem is that he hasn't been able to necessarily stay on the field all year. You know, it is it's amazing, really, Chris, that uh, from top to bottom, uh, the Red Sox organization has, has just been uh, beset with uh, one injury after another this year. It's been kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's just how it works out sometimes. You know, I can remember a couple years back, it was all the pitchers in the minor league system were getting hurt, and now it's actually the, the major league pitchers are getting hurt, and, and you know, the, the minor leaguers are stepping up to save them. I mean, the fact that the Red Sox have had this many pitchers, I mean, they've had a major league pitching staff on the injured list at times, it has seemed. You know, they've certainly had a full rotation at times between Staley, Evaldi, Hill, Waka, and, and if you want to count Paxton, you know, with Nick Pavetta, the only guy who started the other rotation healthy. Uh, in the minors, luckily, it's mostly been, been kept to those top three guys. You know, all, like I said, all the arms have been healthy. A few other guys have had really breakout years. The Don Rafaela, the uh, outfielder slash shortstop, who, uh, who is up in Portland now, but began the year in high eight Greenville. He's had a great year. A couple other guys have had really good years. Salem has been mostly healthy. I think they've, they've more or less been in the minors pretty good health-wise. Just the problem is it was the top three guys that got things up. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Sedan, uh, I guess that's how you say his first name, Sedan, mm-hmm. Rafaela. Mm-hmm. He, he has been uh, quite a sensation uh, in the organization this year. He has. He was their representative at the Futures game yesterday, uh, and I admittedly haven't checked up on how he did in that game. He didn't start next. I think he, it's kind of funny, I think he played shortstop, which is a pretty funny thing to say about a guy who's primarily been a center fielder all year. But he's probably the best defensive player in the farm system. Uh, you know, turns in, highlight real grabs in center field on seemingly a weekly basis. And he's had a couple of just unbelievable, if you're listening and you actually haven't seen him and you're so inclined, go try and find these home run robbing catches that Sidon Rafaela has made over the past month. There's been a couple of them. Just, you know, true ball about to go out, reaching up and snatching it type grab. He's unbelievable in center field. And the crazy thing is, he can also play an above average to plus defensive shortstop, which is kind of a, a crazy thing to say. And that's going to be his calling card moving up, uh, you know, potentially to the major leagues. The question is, how does the bat play? He's hit extremely well this year, but it's kind of funny. The one concern he has is he's just a very aggressive hitter. And if you watch him in batting practice, they'll actually, his batting practice takes about three times as long as anybody else's because what they'll do is they'll just throw him a bunch of balls and they'll say, don't swing at the ball. You know, that's what you're working on right now is not just swinging at everything. You know, throw pitches out of the dirt over his head. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily Vlad Guerrero-esque. Uh, Vlad Guerrero is a senior, I guess I should specify. Uh, but he's extremely aggressive. They're trying to get him to tone that down because in AAA and especially in the majors, 
pitchers are going to take advantage of that. And we've, we've seen that with guys who come up, you know, Karen Duran, Bobby Dahlbeck, guys who come up and struggle at first. It's just a different level, no matter what the numbers say in double A. But uh, that said, he's acquitted himself very well this year. Uh, he's risen to, I think he's eighth in our rankings right now. Uh, but, you know, pending some, some continued work at the bat, very promising. Certainly a future major leader, no question. And uh, listed on SoxProspects.com as 5'8 and only 145 pounds. Well, I think, I think he's probably put some weight on. That's what his listed height and weight are. Um, he's certainly not a big guy, though. He, he's definitely not a, a, you know, he's definitely not Tristan Costas, who you see. And he looks like he's, you know, the, the, the Yeti or something. But, uh, but, yeah, he's definitely not a big dude, but a very, very athletic mix up for, mix up for when he doesn't have his size with the athleticism. Yeah. Oh, well, you mentioned uh, pitchers in the organization, and uh, mm-hmm. one of them is uh, right-hander Brian Mata. He's uh, making his comeback after an absence of about uh, two and a half years due to Tommy John and also the uh, the canceled season because of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, currently with the Portland Sea Dogs. And uh, so far, his results are looking pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's been doing what he needs to do. And it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, is he technically still rehabbing or not? That's something that we're kind of talking about internally when we're talking about how to refer to him because he was on the Worcester roster when he was on the IL and he was rehabbing in A-ball. But you can't rehab in double-A when you're you know, on the triple-A roster. So technically he is just active in Portland. But that said, you know, he's been very good. The thing for me with Mata is he has not gotten through a season without an injury since I think roughly it would have been 2017, uh, you know, in 2018, he had an injury that cost him, you know, some of the end of the year, 2019, he got dinged up in Portland, I believe it was a back injury and lost the 2020 season. But even at the alternate site, he had a, I believe it was a hamstring issue that cropped up that cost him his last few starts at the alt site, which, you know, I'm sure part of that was they were just not pushing him because it's just the alt site. But yeah, I, I want to see him stay healthy, and you got to wonder between that and he's got uh, kind of an interesting arm action. It's a very he's very short, mostly upper body, doesn't incorporate the lower half necessarily. Is he better off in the bullpen? I'm not sure. In the bullpen, he could certainly be a late inning arm. Uh, you know, it's not to say he'd, he'd be banished to the bullpen in the sixth inning. You know, he, he could be a potential weapon out there. He can throw him in the mid 90s. You want to be a little sick up. He did a great job during his Tommy John rehab of getting his body in great shape. Uh, he's still out a little bit in the upper body, but you know you kind of wonder what uh, what his future role is with the Red Sox, and I think time will let that play out. I don't think he's a guy we're going to see in the majors this year. I think they're going to let him take it slow with the John rehab, and they certainly have pitching depth, so they're they're not necessarily hurting for guys to bring up to the major league level. So I think we're just going to let him rehab and, and work out and see maybe next year how he might play into the major league roster. But that's that promising so far in his return from Tommy John, as you mentioned. One of the guys they did bring up uh, this year and uh, started a couple of games, uh, Brian Bayo, the number three prospect, uh, and he's been at three levels this season, double-A, triple-A, and with uh, the Red Sox, 23 years old from the Dominican. Uh, how do you see his uh, his career playing out? Yeah, I mean, Bayo, you know, if, if Rafael has probably been the position player of the year in the system, Bayo has probably been the pitcher of the year in the system. He's been absolutely tremendous. A guy who has improved every year in the system, you know, whether the Vivo ticking up or the slider ticking up, the changeup's always been great. And this year he's added a, a two seam that he really only started incorporating late last year. You know, he's been really just a, a, a revelation in the way he's been able to improve year after year. 
how does that play out? Well, look, you know, I, when he made his debut, I think he got overhyped a fair amount. Look, he, he's easily the top pitching prospect in the system. I don't think it's a question at this point. He's a top 100 prospect, and, and I think a couple of one of the outlets, or maybe even more. I know Baseball America has him in his top in their top 50 prospects. That said, you know, when you see him, he's certainly a future major league starter. I think how good of a major league starter he is is going to be interesting to find out. He doesn't strike me as a future ace. You know, when you watch him, it's it's tough not to see, you know, with the long limbs and and the swagger that he has and, you know, the stuff. It's tough to not make a Pedro Martinez comp, but that said, he's definitely not Pedro Martinez. Hopefully he's kind of a mid-rotation guy at best down the line and does that for many years. Well, Chris Hatfield, we appreciate the time. As always, great insight into the Red Sox organization. Hope to have you back uh, real soon on the program, but we uh, really appreciate it and hope uh, the next couple of months will be uh, great for the Boston Red Sox and the entire organization. Sam, it's always a pleasure, Ken. Thanks for having me on. All right, Chris Hatfield, the executive editor of SoxProspects.com, and you can hear his podcast as well on that site. We'll have more coming up. It's Kale and Company, WKXL, Kale and Company Live, NHTalkRadio.com. Stand by for more terrific excitement. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company Live. We are live right here on WKXL, 1450 on the AM dial, 1039 FM in the Concord area, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, Goffstown, Bedford, Merrimack, Derry, Londonderry. You can catch us there at 1019 FM and streaming wherever you go at nhtalkradio.com, a great website uh, where you can find our live programming and archived uh, programming as well with the uh, great shows that are on here throughout the day from uh, A.J. Kierstead uh, with WKXL in the morning and our good friends uh, Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson in the afternoon with Beyond Politics. Always some great programming here on uh, WKXL. And what a uh, terrific weekend it was and a busy one in New Hampshire, as we mentioned, with the big race uh, yesterday at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Christopher Bell uh, winning that one. And uh, he uh, knocked off uh, uh, Martin Truex Jr., the pole sitter, who uh, had the lead. I think Martin Truex Jr. led more laps than anyone else. But uh, Christopher Bell winning uh, the race yesterday. Chase Elliott uh, coming in uh, second in in the race. And uh, Bubba Wallace in third uh, in that race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And, you know, the the forecast yesterday was a little weird. I mean, I was watching the forecast yesterday morning, and they were saying uh, very little chance, very little chance of precipitation. Well, about an hour before race time, guess what? There was precipitation in Loudoun. And it wasn't that bad. Just a just a shower, uh, more or less. Uh, so it wasn't that heavy in Loudoun. But it was enough 
to uh, you know force the delay of the race for about a half hour from 3.18. It was supposed to start uh, to about 3.45 when it finally did start. But when it did start, it was a, a, a terrific race. But if you were in other parts of the state, for example, I mean, if you were in Hooksett, I understand Hooksett. I saw some pictures uh, last night on uh, WMUR. Hooksett had uh, large hail, heavy winds, uh, trees were toppled. I mean, it was just wild in Hooksett. It was, uh, you know, for a short period of time uh, yesterday afternoon. But it, uh, it did damage, and it was very bizarre because really none of that was in the forecast. What was in the forecast yesterday was for sun and about, you know, 90 degrees or 90, 91, 92, depending on where you were. But we really didn't see any of that. Uh, maybe in some parts of the state you did. But uh, in Loudoun, it was, you know, uh, I would say partly cloudy. But, uh, you know, more often than not, more clouds than sun. And it didn't get blistering hot yesterday sitting out uh, at the track. But in Hooksett. You had that uh, the weather with the heavy winds, uh, the, the hail, and, and rain for a short period of time, but enough to uh, knock down a lot of trees and, and cause some damage uh, as well uh, in the Hookson area. So some bizarre weather uh, yesterday around the state. And this week, from what I understand, uh, we could be having our first heat wave of the season. Of course, three consecutive days with uh, 90 degrees or above. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. Uh, tonight is the uh, home run derby for Major League Baseball, uh, a, a fun event that will take place at uh, Dodger Stadium, the site of the All-Star Game, which will be played uh, tomorrow night. And Rafi Devers, the Red Sox third baseman, is in the starting lineup uh, for the American League. So uh, he... Uh, he will be there along with uh, Xander Bogarts and uh, J.D. Martinez. And as we mentioned in our conversation with uh, Chris Hatfield of SoxProspects.com, Red Sox have a lot of free agents uh, on, the, uh, uh, on their list, players that uh, are in the final years of their contract. And uh, among them, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, and uh, Nate Evaldi three key components of the Boston Red Sox. And uh, I, I would hate to see, in particular, Evaldi and Bogarts walk and join another team. But there's only so much money to go around. Uh, and apparently the Red Sox do not want to exceed the uh, luxury tax and, uh, and have to pay uh, a, a certain percentage of, of uh, the salaries that they do pay out to other teams in the league. They don't want to go above that threshold because if they do, then they will be paying other teams a, a luxury tax, as it were. So even though John Henry, the principal owner of the Red Sox, has plenty of money to burn, the Red Sox don't want to exceed that, uh, that threshold where they would have to be paying other teams uh, in uh, throughout Major League Baseball a percentage of the money that they exceed the uh, salary cap. Uh, so 
Well, anyway, the, the guy that uh, I feel that they should wrap up for as long as they possibly can is Rafi Devers. He is the most electrifying player on that team. He is the only, I, I in my mind anyway, the only must-see, must-watch at bat that the Red Sox have. When he's at the plate, you stop and watch. I mean, for many people, baseball is, you know, on during the summer. It's, you know, you have it in the background, whether it be on your TV or your radio or whatever device you listen to the Red Sox on. And, you know, for, for a, lot of, uh, a lot of people, it's just sort of background noise throughout the summer. But you pay particular attention when Rafi Devers comes to the plate because you never know what's going to happen. When Rafi steps in from the left side of the plate, and he hit a couple of home runs in the first inning uh, this weekend against the Yankees on uh, Friday and Saturday, but it was just uh, just an incredibly bad Saturday and Sunday for the Red Sox as they were outscored by the Yankees in those two games, twenty-seven to three, twenty-seven to three, and to top it off to make matters worse, as if that weren't bad enough. Hard line drive, 106 mile an hour line drive off the bat of Aaron Hicks of the Yankees in the first inning yesterday broke the pinky finger of Chris Sale. And as we were discussing with Chris Hatfield just moments ago, there's a distinct possibility that we will not see Chris Sale again for the remainder of the season. His pinky, his left pinky, his throwing pinky, is fractured. I mean, what else could possibly go wrong with the 2022 edition of the Boston Red Sox? And yet, they are still within striking distance of a wild card spot. Because uh, many of you may know, there's now three wild cards in each league, meaning six playoff teams from each league will go to the postseason. Now, the Red Sox, if the season finished today, would not be in the postseason, but uh, they are in within striking distance of a wild card berth in the American League. We talked about the race, the other great event that took place on Saturday at Delta Dental Stadium was the event we talked about here on the show a couple of times, Swim with a Mission, a celebration of heroes at Delta Dental Stadium. And congratulations uh, go out and kudos to Phil Taub, who put that event together. Uh, we saw uh, Navy SEALs uh, jumping out of uh, helicopters. Uh, we saw canine demonstrations. We saw uh, veterans of... Uh, uh, as far back as World War II, uh, being honored on the field as part of the ceremony. And they had some great music as well. And in fact, some of the music that they had on Saturday at Delta Dental Stadium was, in, in as far as I could see, never publicized. And coming out at, at around 7.30, let's say, I think it was about 7.30 in the evening, they had a terrific uh, blues band, uh, which was headed by the great James Montgomery. Now, many of you, I'm sure, have heard of uh, James Montgomery 
and his blues band, well, they were uh, terrific. The, the blues band was uh, terrific. It wasn't specifically the James Montgomery blues band, but he was a part of it. He was a part of it. And I don't think anybody knew that uh, he was part of the uh, part of the festivities on uh, Saturday. Also uh, there was Reggie Hendrix, the cousin of the late great Jimi Hendrix uh, performing. It was a terrific event and again uh, hats off to Phil Taub and everyone that uh, made that event possible, state police, Manchester police, you know, all the branches of the military were represented. It was just uh, just an amazing day. Governor Sununu was on hand. Just a, a great day at Delta Dental Stadium on Saturday. Looking forward to the next celebration of heroes from SWAM next year. That'll do it for this edition of Kale & Company. Thanks to Chris Hatfield for being with us. Thanks to Kat for producing. We will see you tomorrow with Sue McPhee right here on WKXL. Make it a great Monday.